Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show, the show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of yourself. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. What's good, revolutionaries? I know it's been a little while. We are almost through May, halfway through May, and as for me, <laughs> six days before my 48th birthday. And one of the things that I have been doing over the last 24 days is making sure that I do something that brings me joy every day. And so I started this April 20th, spending time with my father, rolling him in his wheelchair down the street that I grew up on, having dinner with high school friends, crawfish boils with my two best friends, Eli and Phil, doing jazz fest laying out on the grass listening to the sounds of Lauren Daigle, Baton Rouge's own. Each day I've tried to make sure that there was something that brought me joy, a smile to my face, even if it was just laughing with my co-workers, Caleb and Nadia, Ami, Riaz, Elizabeth, Kelly, and my boss, Aaron Walker at Camelback Ventures. But I realized as I chronicle these days leading up to my birthday that the joy that I experience every day is always experienced with someone else. That having that community, that being with people who make me smile, that make me laugh, that push me even further, that joke me, that allow me to be vulnerable in their space is what brings, what brings me joy. And so I'm very, very thankful to continue on this journey over the next six days, but I've realized that I need to make sure that I do this every day. Every day that I have the ability to be on this earth, I need to find joy in my life. So as you think about your revolutions, revolutionaries, you know, how do you bring joy into your life every day? How do you find a moment, right, a second, right, to smile and say, you know what, I'm okay, that I'm living the life that I want to live. And if you're not, that's your revolution. So if you need help, you can always reach out to me at charles at wyrevolution.com. Hit me up on Twitter at wyrevolution, Instagram, what's your revolution, or Facebook at what's your revolution. Make sure that you are being able to answer this most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution, everyone? So I'm excited today uh, to be back in the studio with my main man, Jazz, Kendall the Jazz Williams, and to bring one of my esteemed colleagues, my friend, my frat brother, probably one of the oldest friends that I have here in New Orleans, the, and I have to say the, award-winning realtor here in New Orleans, Todd Taylor, what's going on, Todd? How you doing? Hey, I'm good, dog. I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed watching you with your intro. I, I gotta tell you guys, his eyes were closed. What he just gave you was his heart and soul, and I was watching you do that, dog. <laughs> and that was tight. Thank you, dear brother. I, I appreciate that. It's, um, I tell myself that you must be passionate in the space, and it is. This is the always the best hour of my life being able to sit in space with my friends uh other brothers who are in the in the fight of life right who see that you know this is where we are that we need to be revolutionary every day so i appreciate that dear brother and i'm happy i know we've been trying to get this conversation on the books for a while you know and so let's kick it off brother you know what's coming todd yes sir what's your revolution so <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I I was thinking about this, 
And I think it cemented itself as I was making my way here. The last phone conversation I had, the second to last phone conversation I had was with one of my clients who finally reached back out to me. We've been trying to work on some some credit issues with her, some financial health with her. And in that conversation, I realized that my revolution really is trying to help people get a handle on their financial self, some financial health, and then maybe some wealth building. Mm. Say that again. So financial self, financial wealth, and then financial well, yeah. yeah, financial self, financial health, right. and then maybe some financial wealth. Wow, Todd. I like that. I like that because you first, and we talk about this all the time on the show, you got to build yourself up first, yeah. right? And part of being healthy is really doing that individual personal work. What does that look like when you say, let's, let's, let's dive into that real quickly, financial self. What do you mean by that? Well, you, you've, you've got to kind of really understand who you are financially. Mm. Um, you've got to kind of maybe project a dream of where you want to be financially. And then you've got to figure out the steps between who you are and where you want to be right and make sure that those steps are attainable what so so you can't say so Todd, I'm, I'm like i want two million dollars right you, you you could say it i can say it but now you got to figure out how to get there right right or you make the goal that first i, I just want to have a good handle on my day-to-day right you know and now i want to have I've, I've got a handle on my day-to-day now i want to have a handle on you know getting some savings in line I'll tell you, Hurricane Katrina, and and I, you know, I kind of hate when people go back to Hurricane, but it, it's real. It's a, a defining moment for a lot of people. Right. Hurricane Katrina made me realize something in my own household that I did not recognize um, that I had to to step up an opportunity to get close to where I needed that to be. Right. So right. you know, you you've got to understand your financial self. Once you get that, you said financial health. What is that, Todd? Your financial health is where not only do you have that handle on your day to day, but that you're not doing things to get you outside of where you're headed. That's right. That's you're, right. You're not, um, you're, we say backsliding <laughs> and doing the things that don't get you where you need to be. Right. So no going around that Ferrari. Is that what you're saying? You, right, can, that, you, you can buy it if that it was five, in the, That 5 Series, that, that M5 BMW is what you're saying. If it was in the plan, if yeah. It in, right. But if it wasn't, you can't impulse buy it. Right, right. you know, unless you can live in it. <laughs> you know, they are nice, all right, you know, with the creature comforts that have now in 2019. But I see what you're trying to say. Figure out what your day-to-day is and then set the goal. And so we talk about at my job, how do you back map from that, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. setting that goal, this is where I want to be. If I want to make $2 million, right, I cannot make these large purchases that are going to take me off the track because that is going to then hurt my financial health, Right. And then take me away from my financial self and my financial goals. Is that what you're saying, Todd? It ain't even about making the purchase. Sometimes it's about knowing who you can't help mm. because you can't always help yourself. Right, right. So, you know, you you, you making your way and then your boys or your, your yo, girls yo, yo, come. Yo, let me get, yo, can I hit you off for 10 bucks? <laughs> nah, bro, you know how we do in New Orleans, right? Right. <laughs> right. So it, it's it's also knowing, you know, that you can't be everyone else's savior right. because you may not have been saved yourself mm. and you may not have saved enough yourself to be that person for everyone else. Todd, that's interesting because, you know, working at Camelback Ventures now with our wonderful CEO, Aaron Walker, and a shout out to our new 14 fellows that came on in March, right? We are, uh, we're funders. 
you know, at Camelback. It's simply, that's what we do. We give a friends and family round, right, to women and entrepreneurs of color in education. And so we think about this, and, and, and what you made me realize is that, you know, as we begin to build wealth or think about what building wealth is, right, part of that is being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Part of that is saying, what is, the, what is my dream and how do I get there and how can I build something? But too often, we don't have the resources, mm-hmm. right? We don't have that friends and family around, that 150K where we walk around to our friends who look like us and say, you know what, can I get 10K from you and build up so I can go out and biz- build this business, right? Because potentially, we haven't built up our own financial self. We haven't done our financial health. So we can't give to others, right? right? We can't even make those investments, right. right? And I look back at the angel investors, right? Those venture capitalists that have the ability to pool their funds. Mm-hmm. And that's how they continue to build, as you said in the last part, build that financial wealth. So we try at Camelback Ventures really to think, how do we build livable communities, right? And livable communities for us is having the wealth, right, stay in our neighborhoods, right? Having the wealth to be able to say, you know what, Todd, you got this great business idea. I'm going to fund some of that, Yeah. you know? How are you envisioning financial wealth? Okay, so wealth is a a big word. Was that seven letters? Six letters? Six letters. But it's a big word. Right. Because it doesn't look the same to everybody. Hmm. Right. Right. For some people, wealth is having a couple thousand dollars in the bank. And for others, it, it's not, it's like a, a couple thousand. It's not wealth. Right. And so you've got to envision what wealth is for you. But then you got to also have some conversations with friends to understand what wealth is for them. Sometimes we 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 find ourselves in a in, in a box that we don't see outside of. But as soon as you open that box and you see someone else, if you can have that conversation, what is wealth to you? Right. Then you start to get an idea that maybe my goal really isn't big enough or maybe my goal is right on track. Right. Exactly. And so Eli and Phil were here last weekend for Jazz Fest and all of us have done pretty well. You know, next year, this time, there will be three doctors, two PhDs and an MD. And so, you know, you always look at who you're surrounding yourself with. Mm -hmm. You know, the five people around you show you who you are. I talk about that all the time. And it's interesting how Eli, Phil, and myself look at wealth, right? It's And having those conversations because, like you said, you could think $10,000 is wealth, right? But to to retire these days, right? You know, you, you and I are getting up in age, dear brother, right? What is retirement and what is the wealth number that we need Right. Mm-hmm. To survive yeah. as we watch our parents. Right. As we take care of our parents now and the monetary needs that have to happen during that later stage period of life. You need to think about early on what retirement looks like. What, financial what, wealth. What can I cut back? What can I change? What what can I spend? What can I save? Um, it's it's a big question. Let, let me throw something at you. Harvey Weinstein. Had four hundred million dollars. Within a week, he was bankrupt. You've got to protect your wealth. You've got to. You've got to make good decisions in life, because somewhere down the line, without a good decision, you really still are vulnerable. Right. So you've got to. As you attain your wealth, as you obtain your wealth, you've got to make sure that you're making good decisions Mm -hmm. and you're parking it in ways that will make. that will continue to grow for you and that you can continue to grow from. And you, you, you said something extremely um, poignant. We both have 
you know, older parents. I, I think our moms are about two, three years apart right. in age. Um, and your dad, go big Q. Yeah, no doubt. Um, is, you know, is a is a is an older gentleman. He's in his nineties. Yeah. Um, we're also in the middle. You know, my I have a daughter, an eighteen right. year old, right? And then me, and then my mother. I am now the middle of my family. Right. Where I used to be my daughter, and I'd be on on that end. Now I'm in the middle, so I've got to be able to maybe assist my mother if she wow. needs it, and take care of my daughter, right? And also live in the middle, right? That's tough. It is. That is that is, oh, that is, is very very tough, and. and Fortunately, unfortunately, I don't have a child. We'll see. We'll see at the end of the day how they write this story. Um, but I see you. I feel you on that, right? Because you have to think through, and, you're, and you've brought your mother here a number of times to stay with you, mm-hmm. and what you know, and and financially having to, to, you know, the financial toll as well as the emotional and mental toll that goes along with taking care of an elderly parent. And also the joy, as you just illuminated, about having a daughter who's doing well in college and figuring out, how do I pay her tuition? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. How do I pay her tuition? And then how do I still be a successful entrepreneur? Because that's, that's the thing that makes Todd Taylor who he is. You've got to have capital to keep your business going. you got to. L- let's talk about that, Todd. And let, let's, let's pull back because at the end of the day, all of this conversation that we have about self, health, and wealth comes from Todd thinking that how long has it been now that you've been a, a, a realtor? 14 years, four months. 14 days. Wow. Wow, you know. You know that oh, yeah. day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Started December 1st, 2004. Wow. Right. Even, so you're six, eight, nine months out from Katrina, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. <clears throat> but the, the thought about being an entrepreneur, right? What has that journey been like for you? You know, undergirded by that thought that I want to build wealth in my life and to be able to take care of my family with this wealth. Okay. Why did you think? Why? Why? So the question for you is, why be a realtor? Why is that your business? Well, I'm a terrible employee. Okay, <laughs> but it, you're a great friend. Look, as well, look as my frat brother say, sometimes you can be an A hole. <laughs> so um, I'm a terrible employee. Um, my mom was a realtor in Baltimore, right. and um, and I'm I'm just going to tell you, I'm a mini me. Uh, many things that my mother has been, I have been, um, because I've watched a great role model. Right. I, I love my mother to death. Um, like many kids, sometimes they can, you know, drive you a little crazy. <laughs> but I love my mother to death, and I respect her. And I and I've watched many of the things that she did, and I wanted to do those things. So when I moved here from St. Louis, I had to make the decision as I was moving, because it was a, a, about an eight or nine month process. What do I want to do? And I decided that I wanted to get into real estate. So. I started kind of, you know, thinking, what does that look like? How is it? What's it going to cost me? Um, getting in this business is not cheap. A lot of people think you can just get in this business. No, no it's a couple thousand dollars to get in. You right. got to make sure you have the capital to start. Um, so, you know, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't an easy it wasn't an easy transition going from being an employee to being my own boss, having to figure out my own time. I, I told one of my friends. You don't wash your dishes in the middle of the day as an entrepreneur because while you're doing that, you're not making money. Right. You don't, right. You don't fold clothes and clean up. Um, if you you're on the grind. Of, you, right. If you're working out of your house, you, you stay focused on, I've got these clients, these opportunities, and where can I build some more business um, throughout your day? And so you have to kind of be careful how you, how you use your time because being self-employed, it can be a, can be a little bit of a trap. Oh yeah, it feels good. Yeah. I, I I remember I was uh, you know we 
No, but I, I was self-employed for five years. Mm-hmm. And um, there are days now I miss my time. But the trade-off is I love my money, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so how do you, you know, the, th- the thought is how do I build a successful build business that I can scale and grow? I can grow and scale, you know, thinking about that. And Todd is one of the hardest working dudes I know. This dude doesn't even carry, like, a phone as his calendar. He prints it out, right? And it's jam-packed every day right and so hard working time at look I, I was like todd can we actually get the schedule in can we do this he said yeah i got you let me put it in my calendar um what was that first sale like for you do you remember that it was march 15th 2005. wow so you started in december and you didn't get your first sale for almost four months 100 days I didn't wow. get my first commission for 100 days. Oh, and let me throw out one more shout to my wife, Lisa Collins. My wife, we moved here because of my wife's job. And my wife was instrumental in giving me the freedom, helping me with the freedom to go on my own and not take a job immediately. Um, I worked in the university system, so I kind of had a, a little bit of money. And, and you know, that, that thing, you, you get paid out for your days that right. you don't use. So I had some money there. But she was instrumental in giving me um, a, a footing, a leg to do it. My first sale was March 15, 2005. In fact, the person who I made my first sale to has called me while we're sitting here. Really? Uh, I picked her daughter up from school yesterday and took her to a, a, a doctor's appointment. Wow. She's one of my best friends. And... She's the first and only, well, not the only, but the first person I ever let take my daughter out of my house, out of my sight. Wow. So there's trust that, uh, trust that has to happen. Yeah, listen, if, if you if you build the right business, you're going to build some good friends in that business, some people that you trust, some people that you can you can vibe with, you can throw ideas off of. I mean, like you, I, I can throw ideas yeah, off of you. Yeah, we talk all the time. Yeah, you, you know, you, you, you might hit me with a bat upside the head if I don't get it right. But, <laughs> and that's a good thing, too, is, right. it, is that your friends can hit you with a bat, I think. But um, hmm. that's the no. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, yeah, it was it was a hundred days before my first sale. Um, it was an interesting sale, and actually, it was supposed to be my second sale. My first sale canceled two days before that. Oh wow! And it was supposed to close on that day. Wow. Right. So frustration. Oh, extremely. Right. Well, fr- frustration, sort of. I, I wish they had purchased the house. Um, they would have made a, a really good, they would have turned around and, and made a lot of money on right. it had they turned around and sold it so shortly thereafter, especially with the storm. Right. It didn't exactly. flood. But, um, oh, wow. So it was, it, it was it, a mint. Yeah, it was a mint yeah. waiting to happen. Um but be you know, getting out there for that first sale and and just working, trying to work all those different leads, um, trying to to learn the business while you're trying to maybe not sink in the business, um, was was very interesting and and uh, very hard, right? Very scary, right? At times. So, fifteen years later, mm-hmm. right? F- fifteen years later that you have been doing this work. You know, for the people who are out there thinking about real estate, for thinking about being realtors, right? Thinking about being entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. What's some of the success strategies that you might give to someone who's thinking about, I want to go out and start my own business, right? I want to build, as you said, I want to build financial wealth. And we know the American dream is, right, to build a business. What's one or two tips that you would give to you know, a person going out building their dream, building their dream business. You gave one of them to to them already. That is know your scale. 
Mm. You can't start off selling to the United States government if you don't know how to sell. Right. So you need to sell to somebody close that you can you can learn to smooth out the, the wrinkles and being able not only to sell but to deliver. Right. Right. I can sell you a whole bunch. Can I deliver it mm. to you? Um, and whether that's services or, or actual physical goods. Um I decided I was gonna. I wanted to work initially in a range of two to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars homes. Right, I remember we were talking about that. Right? Yeah, because I don't know how. To, I didn't know at that time how to sell a million dollar house, mm-hmm. um, but I did know how to buy in a, a two hundred to three hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. So I feel felt like I understood that market. Right, uh, and I've worked up and down that scale now. But you've got to you've got to get in where you're comfortable. Make sure you know what you're doing. And continue to learn. And I tell my daughter this. Uh, it, she'll, she'll tell you. If, if you call her right now, she'll tell you. <laughs> I learn something from every deal I do. Every deal. Every deal. Yes. And in fact, I closed a deal today that um, as, as we were closing, as we were finishing, I thought about a couple things, especially one thing that I learned in that deal. And it was that good follow-up can sometimes make a deal happen. Right. Um, so what do you mean by that? Good follow up. Well, okay. So in this deal, for instance, the the person came to see the house door in an open house. They didn't come with a realtor, and I asked the question. And if you're a realtor out there or want to be, make sure you <laughs> ask this question: Do you have a realtor? Right. And the person said, "Well, yeah, I sort of do." And and uh, and I asked what the name of the realtor was, just you know, in in conversation. I followed up with that realtor. We closed today. Really. Following up, being giving them a call, letting them know that your client had some interest, and that you know you might want to follow up with them. Right. And it turned into a sale. Right. And that's relationship building. And, and, that's, relationship cu- and that's customer service, right? Yes, customer service. Knowing your, knowing your product, knowing your customers, knowing how to build relationships, right? These are things in any, these are things in any business, right? That we even talk about here at, at, at Camelback. Yeah. Knowing your customers, right? Relationship building is so key. It's, it's the crucial aspect of life. Can you figure out how to bring people in with you and oftentimes relationship building is about providing value to someone else yeah 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 uh, because you don't want things to be one side that you're always giving or that they're always just giving to you that that the the relationship is what do we find mutually agreeable um and then from what we know mutually what can I teach you or what can you teach me? Exactly. And being willing to listen to them and learn. You don't always have to agree. No, we don't we don't we don't always agree, we, but we, we learn. Yeah. 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 We, we don't always agree. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But we learn at right. least a different perspective. And learning being able to hear and learn that perspective sometimes makes you go out and research that perspective. Right. Right. So you gotta learn. Researching is learning. Learning something and understanding it. And then once you learn it, Again, that perspective, you may not agree, but at least you know more about it. Mm. So, there are so many things that I, I, I want to unpack with just this conversation. But pulling back for a second mm-hmm. is that having conversation relationship building, why is it that you think that men of color, and particularly black men, right, are so distrusting of each other? I, I don't know that it's particularly being a black man that that makes you distrusting of the other black man. I think in general men are distrusting of men because maybe, you know, through the the biological process um, we don't want to share or give what we've got. You know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of an innate thing of survival. Um, I think that 
men in general do not allow themselves to be vulnerable either, mm. right? Because <laughs> what are you talking about? You just, you just said like that that dreaded V word on my yeah, show. Hey, th to be vulnerable. <laughs> I will tell you, I'm one of the few men that I know that will full open hug a man. Yeah. Not from the side, but full <laughs> open hug a man in my space. Because it doesn't change anything. If I'm a hug you, I care about you. Right. I'm a hug you. Right. Right. Um, and it, it and I think the some of the first people I did that were kind of caught off guard. But the second hug was was hug. Right. My client that I just sold a house for today, he and his wife. I hugged his wife. I've known them since our kids were in third grade together. Right. I hugged his wife. He puts his hand out. I slapped his hand out the way and I <laughs> hugged him. I said, man, I'm getting my hug. Right. Um, so I think men, uh, you know, are, <clears throat> they don't want to be vulnerable. I'll tell you this, and most of you check this out. When you sleep. You cover your heart in some form or all the time. I will wake up with my. You're right because you are protecting your heart. Wow, and, and that's your vulnerability. Right, right. If I if my heart if something happens to my heart, I'm I'm done. I will wake up in the middle of the night on my back with both my hands mm -hmm. crossed over my heart. Right, right. And, and so. You know, if you open yourself up to a hug, you're opening your heart, which means you're trusting, which means you're vulnerable. Right. Right. And so if I fake hug you and punch you in the chest, <laughs> you'd be like, ouch. Right. But if I come up and actually hug you, then you're embraced and you right. feel comfortable and you feel safe because I've covered your heart. Right. Wow, Ty, you're dropping, you're, you're dropping it. And so if we allow ourselves to open up, to mm -hmm. allow ourselves to have what we consider that heart work. Right. And I've known women who, when you hug them, they want to hug heart to heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so because they were like, there's a transference, your heart and my heart when mm -hmm. we hug. Sharing a beat. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And so that's quite interesting. And I want to see more brothers out there trusting each other mm -hmm. because it is that mistrust, distrust that we have that spurns so much of the grievances that we have with each other. We won't allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Right. And if you take advantage, though, here's the other, the flip side of that. If you take advantage of that vulnerability, right, then we, then it's, it becomes even more problematic. I showed you a side of me that I was hoping that I could trust, right? But you didn't do anything with that, right? You actually shamed my vulnerability. That's the crucible moment. <laughs> we should be stoning you. No, yeah. the, the reality is, you know, um, I'm from Baltimore, right? And so we. Uh, one of my analogies is crabs in a barrel, right? right? If, if all the crabs in the barrel, if you've ever watched crabs, the crawfish do the same thing. So we'll take it to Louisiana. All the crawfish in the barrel, they're all trying to get to the top of the barrel. Why? Because on the bottom it's wet and it's full of poop. <laughs> right? And so they're all trying to get to the top of the barrel. And so they will step on another crab or crawfish to get to the top. But imagine if they all linked their claws. Right started climbing out Tell and brought the, the last ones right. out with Man. them. Tell the story, Todd. They'd be free. They'd be free. And they would be they would care about each other. They would trust each other because they had to band together to get somewhere. Right. To do something. Right? So, you know, it, it, it we have to stop living like crabs in a barrel. Right. It's interesting as I think is is there a counter this is just me hypothesizing. This is Dr. Corporal hypothesizing. Is this an innate thing from crabs and crawfish, right, as a protective factor, right? One of us is being pulled out, but we need to hold hold back on, right, to keep you protected. Nobody's ever had that conversation. Like, you know, I'm trying to get out, and the crabs are trying to pull me back. Is is Could it be a protective factor? Well, the, the crabs trying to pull you back are the ones that are just trying to get to the edge. <laughs> but, if, but if you could communicate to the other crabs, say, no, 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 I'm not leaving you. 
climb up my back and get right, to the... You, right, you need right, right. Lifting as we climb, dear lifting brother. Lifting as we climb. <laughs> lifting as right? we climb, dear brother. You have to... You, if they would do that, the last crab in the barrel right. would just literally climb up the crab right. uh, uh, bridge bridge build over there you go and come down uh, the other side for all the omegas who are listening <laughs> okay so and then the, and then the next one yes. would crawl, and the, the one on the top when he's last he would crawl down the group of them right and they would all run free until we put another ba- basket right. out there right. to try to trap them so the, the reality is we need to lift as we climb we need to build bridges right and then we can all be a little bit more free yeah, and that's what this show is about. You know, this show is about uplift. <laughs> yes, indeed. If we're going to keep it in that spirit, huh, bruh? You know what I'm saying? It, it is about uplift and having these conversations with men like yourself as we delineate, you know, what are the strategies that we need to be successful in our life, right? Too often, we don't get a chance to hear that. We don't get to dialogue. Um, again, I'm going to talk about Eli and Phil being here two weeks ago. And, you know, you would think that 10 years ago, you know, we were drinking and partying. We we're going out every night. We spent so much time, Todd, talking, mm-hmm. right? Like delving down deeps into the psyche of what's going on in our lives, right? And and coming up with solutions. Who who does that for a weekend when you come in for Jazz Fest, right? It's New Orleans, and you spend most of the time, right, with 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 a drink in your hand, but you're. You're trying to figure this all out, Todd. Well, well that's because y'all got older. See, 10 years ago, y'all would have been like, man, we talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but, but life has happened. It's though. the maturity of being a man, and it's the maturity of being an educated man. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I kind of had this conversation with one of my young frat brothers earlier. Education um, um, isn't always about you know, being a PhD, right. which I applaud you for. But it's about being willing to learn along the way. My grandmother had a sixth grade education. When she used to write me, sometimes she would write me in crayon. Wow. Most cherished things I had right. were letters from her. My mm, grandfather, yeah. tenth grade education, moved from Scotland Neck, North Carolina, down in your way, around your way, right. to Newport News so he could hopefully get a job on the shipyard. And then help build the forestall. And for those of of you who don't know what the forestall is, it was an aircraft carrier that John McCain was assigned to. It's the one where his missile kind of Mm -hmm. uh, blew up a few ships. My grandfather helped build the forestall. Wow. In the meantime, he was Grand Mason. She was the head of the Eastern Stars. Oh, wow. My grandmother was an Eastern Star. And they owned a, a bar and grill that was on the Chitlin circuit, which I now realize because she had Moms Mabley, right. Della Reese, Ella Fitzgerald, wow. Lena Horne. She has pictures of all of them who came through there. Right. She was educated in life because she only had a sixth grade education. Right. But right. she ran that bar and grill when my grandfather passed away because she understood that um, I, I need to learn and understand how to read. I need to learn and understand how to do these numbers. So as you, you, you guys got older and you're that you're educated men you're now trying to solve some of the things that you see out there that are going to be bigger than any of us will be able to delve into in our lifetime by ourselves by ourselves but the pieces we can chip off the pieces we can chip off are the pieces that we hopefully won't have to deal with again right and so if we can bring that one young man one young lady from um, skipping school man I ain't going to school Man, to make sure that they think about education as the the vehicle 
because it really is. It is. It, it really is. is. Right. That's that's interesting because I look, you know, both sides of my work, the masculinity work, the education works, they come together so much. But it it is the reason why I can do this is the education piece, right? So many doors have been opened through my educational opportunities, right? Now, as Dr. Corporu, so many doors have been opened because of that. This this vehicle of life that I've been able to accelerate, right? Uh, has been because of education. Todd, let's move on. You know, it, it, you know. Let me, let me stop you for just go a ahead. second. Did you see the piece I uh, emailed you yesterday? No. Look in your email. For all of you out there, Jonathan Ogbu. I'm going to leave it right there. Jonathan Ogbu. Jonathan Ogbu. The, uh, the, the psychologist. Yeah, yeah exactly. His sir. work, um, Acting White. Mm-hmm. Yeah, longtime sociologist, right? <laughs> University of Michigan. Yes. I, I sent you that piece yesterday. Yes, we used to study his work when I was in uh, graduate school. Jonathan yeah, Ogbu. Yeah, Jonathan Ogbu, man. His work is, ama- his work is amazing. Um, but let's move into this piece. You, you know, I'm always thinking about what is it like for me. Uh, you know, six days from now, I'm going to turn 48, right? And my good friend, uh, Rebecca Shelley Aaron. You want to trade? Uh, nah, bro. <laughs> has asked me this question. She asked me, what was it going to be like? What do I want to be like when I'm 50? Like, what does my life look like at 50? And so I have been pondering this question for a, a number of weeks now. What is? What do I want my life to look like at 50? Because I don't really think that I've ever thought about it because it, it has come up so fast, right? The last eight years, turning 40 was like, boom, I'm here, dog. It was funny because one of my mentees, Chad, um, asked me, he said, bruh, you're 40. Like, what's the joy of 40? I was like, 40 is I've got everything that I think that I know now, right, that is going to propel me, right? And I still, I, I can I can take the next 10 years and really propel myself. And then life hits you, mm-hmm between 40 and 50 mm-hmm. right life kind of hit me like and so many times like like tyson and muhammad ali and Foreman in the same ring like once i finished with one it was like oh no right <laughs> you got me and so interesting now thinking about what life looks like at 50 time I'm, I'm i don't know but you're there you and, know and three and 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 three doc so what has what has life been like for you in your 50s, right? And what would you give back to us, right? That, you know, to say, you know, you got a couple more years to think it through. What would you give back to us? Is, is it is it uh, Langston Hughes, Life for Me Ain't Been No Crystal Stare? Life for Me Ain't Been No Crystal <laughs> Stare, right? Um, listen, I, I did not know what 50 was going to be like. My father passed away when I was four. He was 33. Wow. When I had this little girl... Two months after that, one day I'm sitting there watching TV, and all of a sudden, my uh, my I just felt this tightness in my chest. So I, you know, I, I'm eating some black beans that night, so I figure it's gas. And I start <laughs> I start literally pressing out my chest, like right. a, a, you all can see this. What I'm showing and what I'm doing, just trying to move that gas bubble. And all of a sudden, I felt a mast under my right breast. Right. Went to sleep. Got up the next morning at 5.30. My wife was like, why are you up so early? Oh, I got I to gotta get to work early. I went to the university, went to the nurse. I knew her. She was like, yep, it's a mass. Called my doctor. I was in his office by 12.30. Yep, it's a mass. Had a, a, an appointment to see a specialist. 
<laughs> you look at you. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up being what's called a gyno mask. So it was it was a benign mask. Um, but I never thought that I would get to 50. My dad died at 33. Wow. Right? So one, once I... No, I'm sorry. My dad died at 37. Excuse me. My dad died at 36, 37. And, and so once I was at 34, 35, I never thought I'd hit 37. Mm. And so that was it. I was like, I'm gone. I've got something and it's going to take scary. me out. It's scary. And, I, and it didn't. And then all of a sudden, I had to figure out how to live again, right? Because I was gone that day. I was done. And, and then next thing I know, I was 50. Um, the things I would tell you going forward, make sure your knees, your ankles, <laughs> and your hips are, are solid and good, you know, because that's, they, they are important. And um, some of my mobility is challenged by it a little mm, bit more right, now. You know, right. I actually asked myself a couple of weeks ago, can I run again? I found out two days ago when I left my phone at Walmart. Yes. Yeah, I you can. can run again. <laughs> yeah, right. I can. I can. But uh. um, what does it look like? Man, um, Lisa wanted to retire at 50. Lisa is his beautiful wife, who is also my accountant. She wanted to retire at 50. I, when she said that, I just, uh, you know, I had that look on my face like, why, why would you say something like that? <laughs> but I get it now because... You want, you know, sometimes retirement looks a, a bunch of different ways. Retire from somebody else being my employer right, right, to exactly. being my own employer or my or being self-employed, um, being an entrepreneur, being a, a, a bit more free to uh, to make some of your life decisions mm -hmm. in the time frame that you want to make. Them. Right. Um, our daughter would have been starting um, high school at about the time Lisa turned 50. So she wanted to be there to be more available to our daughter. Um when I turned 50, it was just like, okay, what do I do now? Right. Um, I keep telling my daughter I'm going to live to 105. So, you know, maybe my, my, my thing is what is it like to be 100? I don't, I don't know. Seeing my father right now where he is, I don't even know if I want to live to the point where he is. Um, but that's, that, that's another story. Uh, you know, looking, looking back at 50 for you and now, mm -hmm. now 53, what are the joys that you've experienced? Um, some of it's rooted in, in, in watching this kid grow mm. and now she's starting to maybe understand life a little <laughs> bit more and a little differently um, she has to pay her own phone bill <laughs> toilet, oh by the way to all you teenagers who might be listening or your parents making you listen toilet paper ain't free <laughs> toothpaste ain't free and the heat comes on because you pay a bill so watching her start to, 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 to gather some ideas she is 18. She started working at Raising Cane's about two and a half years ago when she was 15 or 16. And we told her, you, you're going to have to save some of your money. And I mean, kicking and screaming, she didn't want to do it. And we opened a Roth IRA. Did y'all write that down? Roth, Roth IRA. IRA for her at 16. Wow. Kicking and screaming. One of the best moves you ever ever did for her and she will realize that she will read exactly wealth she will get it self health wealth, wealth. Okay. right so now i know she's getting it because a couple of months ago when she made some money at her job at school and got paid she told me how much she made so i could put some money in her rock <laughs> she has to put 10 percent. right right so she she self-reported so that i would go ahead and get the money order and send it to her her roth IRA. wow um, so that's one thing is watching her grow and, and really get it. Um, kind of being more comfortable with myself. 
Um, Talk about that. What is that? What does that look like to be Todd Taylor right now? I, I've always been relatively comfortable with myself. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I put in a, a, a Facebook post the other day. This may sound morbid, but I eulogize myself every day. What? Hold, hold on. I remember a couple of years ago, you were like, I'm not getting on Facebook. I'm not doing Facebook Live, anything, right? You were like, you're a millennial. You call me a millennial, dog. Be careful what you tell your friends, because they <laughs> will bring it back. At you me. know, and now if you go to his Facebook page, this, this dude is calling me out all the time, right? Yeah. You know uh, what I'm saying? Like, So I've been on Facebook since 2011. I've been on Facebook since 2011. I just didn't have any friends. I didn't want any. I just got on to play words with friends. <laughs> um, but this year I decided to make it a, another evolution in my business, right? Um, that I was going to use Facebook in my business a little bit. And, uh, and so I got on January 1st, cold turkey. I just set it up on New Year's Eve while stuff was going on. I set it up, and on the 1st, I was live. And, and I'm learning on it and from it now. Um, I eulogize myself every day because that helps me recognize what I'm not doing mm-hmm. and what I'm doing well. Why is that? Why, why do you think that practice has come about, and how do you benefit from it? I benefit from it because... Um, like I said, it helps me recognize what have I done good today. If I can't, if I can't eulogize myself and say that I've done something good today, I didn't live a good day. It ain't. A, it listen. Don't get me wrong, y'all. Wealth is great, but wealth isn't always money. Sometimes it's what you've done, how you feel about what you've done, who you've helped along the way. My mom was a social worker. I I, I grew up taking my clothes out of the drawer, putting them in the box that we couldn't fit anymore, and taking them to Cherry Hill. If you're from Baltimore out there, you know what I'm talking about. They call it Federal Hill now. And in calling it Federal Hill now, it's the high-end condos or townhouses. But, you know, um, I grew up learning and, and understanding that wealth wasn't always about money. It was about what you did. So eulogizing myself helps me... Um, recognize what I've done good in a particular day. Um, you asked me the 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 how did the practice come about? I think I recognized that um, I don't go to a lot of funerals. I just won't go to funerals, and it's not because I don't care about people. It's I want to remember you how I remember you. But a few funerals that I went to, I read the the eulogy. I read. The, the piece about the individual and I said to myself how would I be written what would people have to say about me um, and as uh, and my best friend Michael he's a bruh I asked Michael one time like you know have you ever thought about what your eulogy would be like and from that point forward I started eulogizing myself what did I do good today right because I, I can do a lot of bad but what did I do good today Stephen Covey's talk <clears throat> talks about you know writing your eulogy Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me and living your life based on that mm-hmm. right and, and thinking back like what do you want to accomplish what do you want people to say what do you want people to stand up right and say about you at your funeral you know and so that's the <clears throat> that's always the interesting thing for me to think through like what are people going to stand up and say about Charles Corporal but you're saying you eulogize yourself every day. I mean, that's an interesting practice, right? To If I die today, this is what I did today, right? This was the good. Do you talk about the bad? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mark Anthony, when he was um, speaking about Julius Caesar, said, 
Not like Mark Anthony, the singer. Not, not, not the singer, <laughs> who I actually like. But no, he said, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I've come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. Uh, and then uh, paraphrasing or moving forward, the evil that men do lives after them, the good oft interred with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. In other words, there was more good to talk about his evil than to talk about his good. I want to remind myself of my good every day so that I keep striving to do better. I don't want that my last good to be the last good I did. Right. I want some good coming tomorrow. Right. I right. want some good coming later today. Um, um, I want some good coming later today. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's really about, for me, how am I growing in my space? What am I doing in my community? Um, who am I lifting as I climb? Right. There you go. There, there we go. And, and that's the thing. I love that. And so if a person was going to develop this practice into, you know, what they do every day, mm -hmm. like, how do they do it? Mine's in the shower. I ain't got nowhere else to go. <laughs> right. I do it in the shower. I do it while I'm driving. Um, um, is it an affirmation? Is it is it just a, a memorializing of the day or of the good? What does this look like? Um, I, I will often say um, to myself something similar to, um, you know, here lies Todd Taylor, a man who was able to make so-and-so smile, was able to help. Um, uh, this particular entity, Elon Academy Charter School, for instance. Right, that's uh, your passion. A, I love, I love that, Elon. That is your I passion. Love, I love schools. Um, uh, help them as a as a member of the board. Um, a man who, you know, stopped traffic to help a lady across the street. Haven't done that in a while. Right. I need to do that. I need to find somebody. If you're out there, call me. <laughs> Todd is coming traffic. for you. Um, but you know, I I, I literally will go in, in short passages of what did I do today? Uh, what could I have done better? I, I tried, this is, this is man, you, you just bring a, a, a situation to my mind. Um, about a week ago, I was at one of my properties, I was leaving, and I kept hearing this horn beeping as I was driving. I saw that this young lady and this guy were having an argument in the car, and they were parked in front of somebody's driveway, and the man wanted to get out. So... My line name is Mr. Helper. I'm an Omega, y'all. My line <laughs> name is Mr. Helper. The fixer. I got out to get my signs off the street, but then I thought maybe I can help in this situation. So I tried to ask the young lady, hey, can you just back up a foot? But she was so in distress, and you could see she was in distress. And I wasn't sure if he was as well, but he probably was in some form or fashion in distress. Long story short, there was nothing I could do to help them. And in fact, he almost turned on me right. um, to physically try to harm me. But it's the cues, so it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Even in your fifties, yeah, huh, okay, to, to physically harm me, but still, uh, what could I do to help defuse this situation? That this gentleman doesn't call the police, right? And that the police don't harm that young black man because of his anger and inability to to defuse this situation, right? Or that they don't come and harm me, right? For all, being in all the space, those right? It's interesting that you think you have to think through you gotta all think of, through all, all of, that. of that, right? It's so interesting. So I, I, I don't want to leave this conversation about eulogizing yourself with, you know, the benefits that come from that, because you get to see if you are self-reflective. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think. Self-reflection is one of the hardest things that we can do because you place the mirror up to yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking hard enough, you're going to see flaws. Oh, yeah. You're going to see your crap. Right. I want to say it's a podcast. You're going to see your.
right? <laughs> you're going to see it if you're really looking for it. Yeah. And then what do you do, Todd? Then you say to yourself, how do I correct this? Right. Right. Um, but most people ain't looking, bro. Uh, no, no, you got to. No, no. No, they are. They're just not willing to work on correcting it. Right. Or they, they want to blame it on something or someone else. If you are messing up, you messed up. Man, let me tell you, bro. Again, I know I keep bringing up Camelback Ventures here, but one of one of the the foundations of our culture at Camelback is this thing about hundred percent responsibility, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And even though, like, even though something somebody may agreed against me, right, I still have a one hundred percent responsibility of how I react to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking about a couple of situations that happened a couple of years ago, and I kept wanting to blame the two entities, right? The two people that had been fussing at me, right? Like, you did this, you did, you brought about all of this. And I'm like, no, it's your fault, right? You two are the cause of my pain. And then I sat back one day, right? And it's sad, right? It's sad that it took me two years to realize that the things that I put in play, right, caused all of this. Mm -hmm. The things that I put in play, I gave them the power to say that this is who you are. If I had never done that, right? If I so taking responsibility was 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 tough. Was I had a, a, a mental health breakdown? I, I like how you say that the transference of power. Right. You know, if you if you do well, you keep your power, but when you don't do well, if you don't self reflect. You lose your power. You lose your power. You lose your power, and and and, that, and that's the power to be able to um, recognize that you can correct those things, that you can do better in those things. Um, um, but to be honest with yourself, see, honesty's hard. Honesty's hard, dog. Honesty's hard. But look, let, let's 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 stay there for a second, Todd. Why is it so hard? I, look, I, I'll tell you. I tell everybody. I've been a liar and a cheater most of my life. Because because honesty is about vulnerability. Honesty is about vulnerability. We right. we got right back to the heart. Honesty is about vulnerability. If you're honest with yourself, when you're not doing well, when you're not doing good, uh, when you're not about good, then you you're vulnerable. Now, what, what's my character flaw? Right. Why am I? You know, why did I? Why did I do this? You got to deal with your character. You got to deal with your character. Say that again, Todd, because you got to deal with again. You got to deal with your. Yeah, yeah. I know, like you. I know you like to think it don't stink. Right. But you know, the the truth is, you've got to deal with your character flaw. Wow. And that that and may be. I've been doing this for two years, Todd. That may be the most poignant thing that has been said on the What's Our Revolution show. Roof. Right. That. When you're self-reflective, you've got to deal with your character flaws. And who wants to deal with that? I'll tell you it's hard because um, I deal with my character flaws all the time. There's so many there's so many things that I could be better about um, that I'm always trying to work on. Um, um, you know, one of them is smiling. Believe it or not, think about how many times you've actually just seen me smile. Right. You don't. You know, um, you might see me kind of laugh or, and you, you know, my voice sometimes when I'm but, you know, one of my flaws is I don't smile because I had Bell's palsy. Right. And so it, my smile looks like a smirk and I will tell people <laughs> in advance my smile looks like a smirk. So I'm not really smirking at you, but I don't want to tell people that all the time. Right. That's an actual physical character flaw, right. physical flaw, at least that I have to deal with. And I have to figure out 
and 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 Andre Tyler, if you're out there listening, Andre Chambers to some, Andre Tyler, one of my best friends. She always tells me on Facebook, "Honey, smile. you should smile. smile. You do smile a lot, but I mean, you're a happy. You know, you for the most part, you're a happy person. For the most part, yes, sir. You can be cantankerous. Me, at time. yes, no. yeah. But that's what. But that's opening that vulnerability, and I love that. You know, as I said, Todd, our, our, our time is going to run short, brother. So there are a couple things that I really want to discuss before we leave out. Like, the show is about finding and embracing the healthiest version of himself. And we've talked about so much self, health, wealth, financial, and all three of those. We've talked about being 50 um, and what is that like for you. We've talked about being self-reflective. But there are men who listen to this show, Todd, simply because they want to hear someone else tell them how to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? how to be better so what are some of the things that you do you talked about eulogizing right what is another strategy that you use to be the best version of yourself right what is something every day that our men can say you know what Todd Taylor award-winning realtor in New Orleans right 14 years as an entrepreneur this is what he does every day to make him the best version of himself find somebody to listen to Wait a minute. <laughs> you see how that stuns you, right? Mm-hmm. Because you didn't say find somebody who will listen to you. You said find somebody to listen to. Right. Because that's when you'll learn. Wow. When people talk to you, that's where you learn. Um, find somebody to listen to. One thing. Wake up in the morning and, and say to yourself, because I do this quite often, okay, I got it today. I got it. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I have these I have these power moments in my day. Being an entrepreneur, like I said, can take you down a lot of caveats and roads. Right. But I will tell myself, I'm, I'm about to put in these 15 or 20 minutes of power. I got this. I know exactly what I'm about to do, and I'm going to get these things done right now. And and they are things that I get done right now. Put together a list of what you need to do. Right. Find somebody to listen to. Put together a list of things that you need to do, but also tell yourself, I got this. Talk to yourself. Yes. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not crazy. And and look, if you do it in the car and you look over and somebody's looking at you like you're crazy, they crazy. Yeah. Keep talking to yourself. <laughs> you. Can, it's your car. Right. You can talk to yourself all you want. It's it's not um um a crazy. But also, and and you know, sorry to to bridge it like this, but take care of as you said earlier your mental health and yeah, your physical health. Your physical health. I get up. I get up every, you know, every day and do what is called a miracle morning. Meditation, right? Affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and writing, right? It takes me an hour. But it, it, it focuses my day, right? And those mm-hmm. affirmations are so key, right? You're, how do I live the life that I want to live, right? I can do this. I am confident. Mm-hmm. I am strong, right? I'm honest, mm-hmm. right? All, all these different things that you want to affirm. Exercise is so key. Todd, I, I do about 30 minutes every morning and just recently hit my goal of 50 push-ups every morning. 50 for 50. Y'all heard that, right? There it is. <laughs> you, get, you get that 48 for uh, No, hey, 48 for 48, bro. You know, it, it's, it's just interesting the things that we do, the strategies that we use. So, you know, make sure that you're thinking about those things. The visualization is key. Visualizing how you want to live your life. Mm-hmm. And so for me is what do I want 50 to look like, right? I still want to have this 25-year-old body with this... Uh, Dog, I hate you this, for this it, This four-pack, you know what I'm saying? Dog, I hate you for it. <laughs> Try to get that six-pack. But look, bro, I, I told you the time was going to go by, right? 
Right. I tell you, it always does when you get a great guest like you. You know, everybody, you've been listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corpru. My guest is my good friend, Frat Brother Omega Sci Fi, 1987? 88. 88. 88. Right. 88. Upside. Upside. Fam, you, bro. We've talked about so much today. You know, and we want to thank everybody for listening in. You can always catch the show on WHIV 102.3 on Thursdays at 10. We want to thank the opportunity to partner with. Them, we want to thank my man Kendall the Jazz Williams for giving us the opportunity to produce the show here at the Millhouse Studios here in New Orleans. You know, it's been a wonderful opportunity to sit here and talk with you, Todd. Thanks learn learn so much, man. And we've been friends for so I'm so long. I'm grateful for your tutelage, right? For being able to listen to you and for you to be listened to, right? And so make sure that you, as you're doing that, my revolutionary friends, find somebody that you can just listen to, right? So you can hear them, because we often just need to be heard. We don't need, right, help. We just need to be heard. Hopefully you're moving through your revolution. And again, if you need some help, you can always reach out. And as we say each week, revolutionaries, always be able to answer the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? Take care. We'll see you next time. Peace, everyone.